Hello, I'm Jeremy Eden. I'm Dan Eden. And I'm Neil Fisher. And this is 90 Under 90. 90 movies. Under 90 minutes. Okay, what a wacky one this one is. Today on our show, clocking in at 88 minutes, we're talking about 1992's Stay Tuned, directed by Peter Hyams. Um, not necessarily uh, known to be a good movie, but uh, I don't know. It has it, it's it's not without its flaws but also has some uh some moments that i i can appreciate but i can fully understand and respect somebody saying no fuck this movie it ain't for me at all and i'd be like you know what you're right you're absolutely right that's kind of how i feel about uh the snyder cut if you love it and you think it's a masterpiece you're right if you hate it and you think it's garbage you're right and same thing could be said about just uh joss whedon's version or anything or anything for that matter <laughs> So you know what? As much as we would love for you to write into 90 under 90, you can save your emails uh, letting us know whether or not this one is a bad one or not. I think we should take a poll, and it should be yes or no, opinions are good. Yes. <laughs> we'll do that. And uh, if you say no, then we block you. <laughs> um, Neil, we are joined by you again on this show. This was your choice of an episode. What is your connection to the movie stay tuned hey guys uh thanks for having me here i i just watch this movie all the time when i was a kid uh, and it's one of those movies where you know when you're a kid you don't really understand a lot of the references it's just sort of the spectacle of it all and you notice you know that's the guy from ferris bueller or that's the guy from three's company and uh you just kind of watch it and then uh, when i was a teen i watched it again and i kind of got a few of the adult jokes uh but then re-watching it now uh as an older adult uh i get all the references some of them definitely are not very good uh some of the jokes aren't very good but uh it's just funny to kind of watch as an adult now and uh i was uh telling jer uh before we recorded that i could definitely see this movie being remade now the way that uh references are kind of uh you know crazy in, in pop culture i just feel like someone would want to take this on and do a similar version. So, uh, yeah, that's sort of my connection to it. It's just a, a childhood favorite. Let me ask you this, though, uh, just real quick. We're, we're close in age, all three of us. Um, are you telling me that you knew John Ritter as the guy from Three's Company as opposed to, like, the guy from Problem Child or, or something like that? Yeah, it, I, I knew him from Three's Company only because my mom's obsessed with pop culture. She got me into it, and uh, she used to watch you know, all the old shows, Brady Bunch. So I watched a lot of Brady Bunch and um, Partridge Family with her, and then I knew Three's Company. So, okay. And I also knew that it, it starred uh, the woman whose exercise videos were always at the garage sale. So. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. See, we, I mean, obviously, Dan and I have uh, we've delved into PC culture a couple times, the Problem Child <laughs> movies. Um, sure. sure. And... Uh, uh, so, you know, that's where we chiefly know John Ritter from. We were aware. I was aware of Three's Company, but um, to the point where I understood when the parody comes up later, I was like, oh, I get what they're doing. Mm -hmm. um, 
but yeah, for you to just interesting that uh, that would be your go-to reference point. For Jared, it's, it's weird, you know. Ask an 18-year-old; they probably know him through Josh Ritter. Yeah, you know? Jason <laughs> Ritter, you mean? Oh, is it Jason Ritter? Yeah, it's Jason Ritter. I thought there was a Josh. Is there is a Josh Ritter, but it's not uh, in the Ritter camp. I think in oh, that maybe, family. Maybe, in that, maybe, you know, he's re- ah. maybe he's related to Kristen Ritter. I didn't, you know, another non-Ritter Ritter. <laughs> I didn't stick. The you know, the thing there. about it though is, if you like Josh Ritter, you like Jason Ritter. You're right either way, right? I mean, that's what oh. we. You start That's the show with. That's the beautiful with. thing about opinions, guys, and I want to get into that, <laughs> is everybody's entitled to opinions, whether it's right or wrong. That's what makes America great. So I think we're done here. I think uh, I think we're done with the podcast, to be honest with you. <laughs> Dan has taken off his headphones. He's, he's pushed away from the table. <laughs> um. But we yeah. do have a movie to talk about. We have we talk about. Let's talk about my connection to the movie. Yes. Yeah, let's talk about yours. Uh, I think I watched it when I was like eight or seven. Um, we rented it because it was a TV and it was the problem child guy. And um, I, I liked it back then, but now it's like the most base level, yeah. like hell pun, devil, uh, violent. Like, I don't know. It's I, Jerry, you made a good point when we were talking when I was shitting on this movie. <laughs> It's true. Uh, uh, I said that I basically I said that and, and, and I did not say this necessarily in a disparaging way um, that this movie is basically like if you ever watched the Weird Al show, his old CBS morning kids show, there's a segment that he would do basically every episode where he just sits down and he watches TV and he flips through the channels and you get a lot of these types of parodies. This is basically just a 90 minute Weird Al like side gag from his show like, you know, and so like. You know, not and I'm certainly not saying that uh, these parodies are on the level of Weird Al as somebody who is a lifelong Weird Al fan. Um, But I get what you know, like this. I said that this movie is basically for seven year olds. It's not a bad movie. It's just not really for I I think what makes this movie special is if you're a seven year old and you watch it. Let's just say younger audiences. Yeah. Let's just say younger audience for younger kids, especially like we were and I was uh, like 92. So this came out when I was about seven years old. And I remember seeing the previews on TV and being like, that looks really cool. Like, what an awesome idea for a movie. And we didn't end up seeing it for a few years after that. Um, And for the most part, this movie is very family friendly. But there is some uh, some things that just a slight, slight bit of edge here and there to to the point that it would work for your advantage as a kid because you feel like you're watching a more grown-up movie, but really they're, the humor is played for kids. Like, this is definitely, yeah. like, like you said, it is base-level parodies um, to the point where they're so base-level that I could see one frame of one later <laughs> on, and I'll tell you about it because I could not oh. even resist. I had to tell, talk to Dan about it midweek. Oh, right, right, right. We they got. We, we, speaking of edge though, they got my three sons of bitches. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you like that kind of stuff, you're in for a treat, my friends. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's the thing about this movie. Uh, I think you put it put it the best way. Is as a kid, you know, that's like right when the cable boom, uh, you know, was popular, and you're like, oh, I can get sucked into cable and and all these different channels. And I, I, I was the same way. I think that's why I liked it so much. Was oh, I could be a wrestler. Or I could. Uh, you know, be in a, a 50s show or dance with salt and pepper and, and stuff like that. So uh, <laughs> yeah. it's just or an entire it, song. 
Well, that's the thing. Yeah, I, I I thought that sequence was like maybe a minute long when I was a kid. And when I rewatched it, I was like, oh wow, they really God. they really draw it's, this thing out. It's the climax of the movie. That yeah. was that the was an official one. an official tie in like that. Like they didn't fuck around with that one. <laughs> and it's it's funny too watching this movie now because you know if you put this movie on as like a younger kid now, I'm sure a lot of this would work the same way. But that giant ass satellite dish would play as more of a joke. But yeah. in 1992, like those people were like people did have satellite dishes that big. You know, yeah. I remember driving around. You could see these giant <laughs> like six foot dishes in people's backyards and stuff. So like it, you know, it wasn't even that much of a stretch in 1992. But now, of course, you know, nobody has a dish this size. Nobody would need a dish this size outside of like somebody who's, you know, connected to the satellites, the literal satellites. And the TV was huge. And I remember that was a big thing. It was like I'd never, you know, seen a TV that big. And after that, actually, it was two, I guess, two years after that, the biggest TV I had seen up until that point was a friend from school who I would uh, go home after lunch or during lunch to his house to watch the OJ trial with because he had a huge TV. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we got to watch that OJ trial. <laughs> OJ trial. What gripping television it yeah, is. Yeah, must see TV. Yeah. Children wow. of our age. Were, I mean, hey. That's the thing about opinions. Some people found it riveting. <laughs> some people found it. Uh, Did whatever. the gloves fit? I don't know. Maybe. <laughs> Who's to say? <laughs> but um, yeah, this movie—it's like, what else can be said? Oh, one more thing I want to say. You guys, Jared, I know you haven't delved into it quite as much, but Neil, are you a Rick and Morty fan? You know, I've never actually seen Rick and Morty. Uh, I've seen a trailer for it. I feel bad. I, I know there's a ton of references, Back to the Future, but I've never seen it. I want to, but I just don't know really where to start, honestly. They do um, they do a thing called interdimensional cable that Rick has where he hooks their cable box up to, like, infinite – all the all the uh, dimensions, all their channels. So there was a galaxy where they're all corn people. Like, you get to see their <laughs> cop show and stuff. And that there's two episodes worth where they're just flipping through channels, and there's just the most bizarre – and then in the second episode, the most violent shit. Like, I thought of interdimensional cable and how it's done maybe better because it's in shorter, bite-sized pieces, yeah. but it's also way more fucked up and random in Rick and Morty than this. Well, also, you just have the uh, the animation – as a as a filter in and of itself like you can get away with a lot more just because yes. it's a cartoon you know that's true yeah absolutely this is like i appreciate the uh the exercise in like genre filmmaking mm-hmm. in this you know when you you mimic those aesthetics and stuff and and neil you've done some videos you've done ads and stuff like so yeah. you pr- you probably mimic certain aesthetics before so you can appreciate this level of filmmaking i think right oh yeah no for sure i mean uh yeah all commercials are uh, is basically, you know, a client saying we liked this can we copy that, but not so much that we get in trouble. So <laughs> yeah, it's very similar. <laughs> and then, ju- and just like this movie, your soul leaves your body. <laughs> yeah, right. yeah, a man came to my house with a remote and said, "You either are gonna do this for me, or this remote will go uh, into the nether regions." And I'm not talking about hell, basically. <laughs> I want to – you guys talk about the giant TV and the satellite. I want that spinny remote that, you know, good guy, notoriously good guy Jeffrey Jones has in this movie. My God. They – the fucking glory shots of the uh, the remote control. Like, Can you blame them? I mean, they, they got some assets. They want to show those babies off. But it's like their only asset, you know? So it's just like <laughs> – it would be like, you know uh, – 
I don't know. I, I, I if I I was about to say something sexist, so I'll just. Uh, so, all right. Well, we'll I'll, I'll try to be now. better than the better than one Jeffrey Jones. Okay. Yeah. Not How, not what high, such a, what a you know what a way to cast someone and just kind of you know have a good feeling that he'd play a good villain you know. Right. Just, well, hey, I mean, this is years before <laughs> he is known to be the man that he was. He's he's still you know like he's not like oh god. This is one of those separating the art from the artist Jones? kind of thing, huh? Are you defending Jones? I, as a as an actor, I'm saying he there's I, a reason you hire Jeffrey Jones in yeah. 1992, yeah, you know, of like course, 100%, yeah. It's like yeah. We, you know, it's there is a a a call for a Jeffrey Jones type at this point in his career, you know? That's so true. like I'm not saying that this is a great movie. I'm not saying that he's a great actor. I'm no. just saying that he does something that works very well. Yeah, and I, I don't. I was just jerking your chain there. Like you watch movies like even House Guest, and you're like, he, he, hey, there's Jeffrey Jones. Like, if you can put that stuff aside, he's kind of a welcome presence uh, in the movies before we found out about that stuff. You know? Yeah. Eh, what can you? What can I say? But yeah. uh, that's the thing about opinions, like. So, <laughs> so anyway, yeah, I guess we can get into it now. Um, oh, and I'll just say this, but just like Christopher Lloyd in the page master, like we basically said, he's kind of safe on this show. John Ritter is, is, is safe to say that he's, he's in the safe bowl. You can put his name in the safe bowl oh, on this show. Yeah. You'll never hear a bad word about John Ritter from us <laughs> on 90 under 90. I can say that. And if any of the, of our, uh, guest hosts try to say something negative about John Ritter. He's threatening Neil here. That'll be the last. Oh no, episode. I love John Ritter, so I'm I'm in your camp. So yeah, I'll, no, I'll, I'll, I'll be I was, with you. I wasn't uh, saying that preventively. I was just saying that, that for any future guest. Oh, okay. You know, I, I feel like all of our guests are pro John. Are pro yeah. Jr. Who isn't really? Um, I don't want to be friends with him. So it opens with. Uh, should we get into it? Might as well. All yeah. right. It has a little cold opening. Do you guys remember this? No. Yeah, I do. I mean, I remember. I did not guys, remember it at the time. But do you guys see this in the headlines? This typo. <laughs> so, it opens with the neighbors, the Seidenbaums, getting a visit at their door. Uh, they're watching TV, and the wife is really nagging at the husband. Uh, and you, at first, you think you wonder why. You you probably won't see these guys again. But there's kind of a reason now, and retroactively, I'm realizing why they made her out to be such a nag. Yeah, it's actual like I don't want to use the word good, but it's uh, skilled filmmaking. <laughs> like that's <laughs> some causality for the husband, let's say. Yeah. Um. And yeah, they set these up, the guys up really briefly. The side bombs. They're watching TV and uh, they uh. What they're eating. They're eating popcorn out of a Captain America shield-sized <laughs> bowl of pop. This giant. <laughs> comedic popcorn i laugh instantly like john know, walker or steve rogers i mean they're both talk? the same size you know there's just they're using one it is a lot messier than the other <laughs> yes. that's all we need to say um you have <clears throat> so it, it, who shows up at their door but some menacing guy in a trench it looks like the opening of goosebumps when he has that briefcase and it it's just true. Opens, and the g <laughs> flies out and it goes over the town. And he comes out because they're watching TV. He says, viewer, beware. You're in for a scare. Um, you know, Goosebumps. Stay tuned. Goosebumps. 
Definitely. I actually oh, just yeah. watched uh, Stay Out of the, the Basement Goosebumps? and uh, Girl Who Cried Monster. So opening credits, because, okay, what happens is this guy shows up at their door and what, like, they, how does this end? Like, it ends with them in a bad way. They're screaming. There's a big it's, light at the door. Yeah, it's just, it's basically a tease. We don't really see what happens, right? If I remember correctly, it's like, oh, something bad happened. They yeah. Open the door and, ah! And uh, opening credits. And these are like, 3D block letters flying at us. And, it's uh, like it's vaguely reminiscent of Star Wars, but it like the font looks more like Flash Gordon-y. I don't know what they're going for specifically, but huh? <clears throat> except to drag them out a little bit. It's all right. So they're flying at us. They turning to they're turning to static along the way, and uh, eventually uh, it, we see that the, the the perfect iconography here is the TV with devil horns eating all the letters. So you're thinking, what's this movie has to do with uh, Satanism, TV, opinions, yeah, uh, all sorts of things? Hopefully, um, so they they bring up some rousing arguments too. So it opens with a needless voiceover from the son. This is uh, that's uh, my second note on here is why the narrating? Why are we doing yeah. voiceover narration? Yeah. We don't need it. It bookends the movie and it's completely completely unnecessary i would really prefer it if it was gone yeah in my cut i would re-edit this movie and do everything exactly the same except extend one joke that i will talk about later and (laughs) uh get rid of the voiceover release the eden cut is what we're saying that's right that's right not whedon that guy no eden no 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 at the front of that just shut up and say your lines all right (laughs) i will Uh, end your career (laughs) Jesus Christ. How about uh, how about like Warner Brothers? You know, now they get a bunch of hashtags on Twitter about like, release the Eden cut of Stay Tuned. Like, wh- what are they talking about? No one's talked about Stay Tuned for 20 years. There's a real uproar about It's this. not even our movie. Yeah, right? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know whose it is. Who owns Stay Tuned? That'll be a new thing. And you know who have the totally corner of the market is Topher Grace on the oh, old yes. recutting of somebody else's property, you know? I actually have a list, uh, and we'll have to do this in a since no one asked, because no one asked, but I have a list of movies that I want to recut and, like, how to recut them. I, it's a short list, but there's, like, maybe five on there. <laughs> it's Dan's list of, these movies did it wrong. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Topher Grace, if he can do it, I can do it, you know? Yeah. I, I remember a long time ago, Dan, you were telling me that you always wanted to, to cut down Nymphomaniac into just yeah. one part, not two That's parts. Right. You only need and, one. None of the sex or nudity either. None of the sexual yeah. content or the sexuality. I don't need sexuality. There's enough drama. That. Yeah, you don't need that. Yeah. And all – just Shia. Just yeah, right. Shia. All Shia. It's just <laughs> his scenes. I actually haven't – have you seen Nymphomaniac? Oh, yeah. yeah. I have not. Is it worth yeah. a watch? I actually – Lars von Trier scares me. And uh, I was at a – party or something this is gonna this is one of the most like douchiest day i was at a party and i was talking about lars von trier with a uh, past and future guest charlie wine and i said he scares me and he looked at me dead in the eyes and says he should and then uh, we just left we just left it at that <laughs> so anyway um he plays the pie in this yeah. No, yeah. I just watched too many cooks today. They credit <laughs> Lars von Trier as the pie in that as well. The pie. Um, man, better example of like satanic television. Too many cooks. <laughs> oh yes. 
Um, so anyway, yeah, we were talking voiceover, right? It's the kid, the son. Uh, yeah. I didn't catch his name because who cares? Did you get his okay. name? No, I don't. I, I, maybe I wrote it down later in the notes, but I just wrote down nerd. Nerd. Yeah, I don't remember his name either. Actually. So, so nerd's like, my dad was a lump of ass, and he just sat on his couch and he watched TV all day long. <laughs> he said something clever, like they say everybody watches seven hours of television a day. If that's true, my dad took the hours of the people who don't do that. There's <laughs> something like that. Yeah. Just so you know, I'm a nerd. That's basically what he's saying at the beginning. He looks like uh, the You're head of the. You're gonna find later. The BK Kids Club, but if you changed his glasses <laughs> with the, the cool glasses. BK Kids Club. Do those, are those characters still around, I wonder? I haven't been oh. inside a Burger King in years. Here's the thing. Bring, I hope they are. Release the Eden cut and also bring back the BK Kids Club. And I'm not talking don't do the Space Jam thing because we all saw that trailer. And I'm going to speak for everybody when I say, eh. Um, yeah. <laughs> do 2D animation. Are you, are you, are you talking about uh, Ready Player One with basketball? Thank you. I, yeah. Yeah, they just kept all the plates and all the visual effects and kind of just repurposes of what it looked like to me. I, oh. I like here's the thing and I don't want to get off I don't want to get off on a rant here but like sometimes I uh, lately I've been yearning for Nintendo 64 graphics and a frame in an animated movie that's not too busy for my yeah. liking and I look at that trailer in Space Jam and I'm like pulling out my fucking hair in the basketball scene like the final court scene and I'm like there's this is too busy for me and i sound there's, old as fuck but i don't here's, care yeah there's way too many characters in there that don't like and it's not like warner brothers has this amazing arsenal of like character like i'm sorry but why is the mask there like he doesn't need to be there like how about shit the clockwork like orange guys yeah the, what the fuck this? yes oh my god stanley yes. Kubrick is pissing and shitting and <laughs> doing all he's he's spitting in his grave I will say the we'll say this last thing and then we'll move away from space jam a new legacy but i will say the one thing that it did right is uh it at least kept a 2d segment and it made him it turned him into a cartoon character too mm. yeah great segue too for this movie because of the 2d <laughs> yeah that's true we were that was all an elaborate plan to get us yeah. right back on track mm-hmm. um so he so, says yeah, yeah, he, yeah, Ritter's just sitting down watching TV, mm-hmm. doing jack all, like and uh, like a goon. And uh, it's it like this. Inter- I will say this about this movie too. Um, uh, time appropriate for its release. Unlike a movie like Click, which came out like maybe ten years too late. Like it's yeah. a good movie. Like I still like the movie Click, but like the concept of a universal remote control is like what? Like who cares about that anymore? Like do people even need or use them anymore? That's a question to ask. Um, so yeah, I, I like that. But also it's interesting that this would be like it's interesting that it's John Ritter because this, you know, if it was made a few years later, would be like for a bigger comedy star. Like this is a a mainstream comedy vehicle for like a, a mainstream comedy star, you know, like I don't think it was. It's a big, good enough project. I think they know that too. No, but I'm just saying, like 1992. I don't like, you know, it's certainly like Robin Williams is huge at this point. He's not going to be doing this movie, but like it, it does feel like it's oh, in no. that vein oh. of like it should be a big comedic, and not that John Ritter is not a, a strong comedic performer, but like he's not a uh, a powerhouse. Comedy. Right. Problem child guy. Yeah. So. Or the Three's Company guy. Right. 
Depending on your opinion, man. Yeah. And that's the thing about opinions and Space Jam. It's like if you, you know. Now, do you? Here's a quick question. Do you think when they were casting this, they went, "Okay, we need we need a really funny comedian to be the lead," or do you think they thought this whole movie revolves around you know the history of TV and and uh, its influence on the world? So let's find a very repu- a recognizable TV star and have him be the lead. Do you think that was? What do you think the question was? Well, it's a good, it's a good question to ask. If if I'm answering it, I would say at this point in his career, he's kind of. Uh, in the dad mode, like, you yeah. know, 1992, you got Problem Child is like 91 or 90. And like then Problem Child 2 comes out just one or two years later. He's a dad in both of those movies. He's a dad in this. So like, I'm sure there was other things where that's kind of the mode that he was in before he decided I don't want to be a dad anymore. And if that's the case, Neil, that where's Mr. Belvedere? Yeah, he should have been the lead. You're right. <laughs> he I mean, that He's a, a reputable TV star. <laughs> Now he CGI'd into the movie in the Eden Cut, I believe. Yeah, no, I I, I was gonna go with him. I ended up going <laughs> uh, with Alan Thicke instead. Classic. We see the streaks on the china. Never yeah. seen him before, but who cares? No, I, I prefer the uh, the Alan Thicke version. And you get free advertising when he tells you about life insurance halfway through the movie. That's true. I hope his son writes a good. Uh, follow-up single to get out of the way of the tv i'm trying to watch something now (laughs) do you guys remember yeah (laughs) (laughs) there's no way you remember paula who's paula maybe neil remembers paula out of context it's like but it was robin thick's apology album Oh, yes, yes, yes. Uh, mm-hmm. After the Blurred Lines album, because he cheated on her and she, like, divorced him, so he made a whole album. And the lead single was called Get You Back, and she never came back. <laughs> he, did, he, he didn't get her back? He picked the wrong Marvin Gaye song to rip off, I guess, right? I mean... Totally. Um, so anyway, we were talking about Robin Thicke and uh, the Thicke yeah. family. Let's, let's <laughs> at a, almost a half hour in, let's try to focus on... Uh, the, sorry, the, sorry, the actual sorry. movie it's okay and uh, it's not a good it's not a great movie here's some info you ready yeah hit me he's married to helen nabel she's a product senior manager and she's like way more motivated than roy who sits on the the couch all day yeah so the kids in the how it opens is they're they're really setting them up to fuck these two kids are like let's leave the parents home alone and like i'll go sleep over my friends you can sleep over your friends and these two are gonna F-U-C-K, man. But the thing is, Roy's too busy watching the Seattle Supersonics game. He's got his hat on, and he's like, which – and let me say this, too. If you're going to show a man who's obsessed with television, don't start by showing him watching a sports game because that's like a a cliche in and of itself. He needs to be watching some other program that he's just obsessed with, I think. We've established, uh, I think, in this montage, this opening montage with the voiceover, that A, the son likes to hijack local TV airwaves, and he's pretty good at it. Like, And then he bribes people, like he tells people to come and like get pictures of his sister making out with her boyfriend for money. But Who looks also, like she's straight out of Blossom, too. I don't know if that oh, girl was that. Yeah. I don't but, know who she, what she did before well, or after, but on that but, note, I, I was watching yeah. it with Colleen, who had never seen it, and I wanted to show it to her. And and it's funny, the first thing she said is when they get to the the kitchen of the set, she just said, "This is like the most '90s thing I've ever seen," yeah. <laughs> which it is. I mean, the whole movie is just like totally. you, the nice bike, the nice uh, or the uh, the interior of the of the house is just uh, super '90s. So yeah, yeah, the Burger King Kids Club kid. 
But yeah. Um, what I was going to say is uh, John Ritter, he's established that he has an interest in fencing, and he's a big fan of what is count, what is the movie uh, that he's watching? Monte Cristo. Uh, Count of Monte Cristo. Is yeah, it? Yeah, Errol know. Flynn, I believe. Yeah, he's a big fan of. So there's that. He's he's somewhat of a sophisticated guy, but yeah, as we see him now, he's watching the game and he's very preoccupied by that. And the wife is like throwing herself at him, and uh, she he's not having it. And uh, this is uh, what's her Pam Dauber from uh, Mork and Mindy. Mm-hmm. She 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 is of course Mindy, and uh, I write down on my notes: get upstairs and fuck Mindy, because <laughs> my God, John Ritter, <laughs> like seriously, Anu Nanu, get busy. Yeah, he's right. married out of his league. What, you think he wouldn't what, have chips all over himself? Kinda, and, kinda, yeah. As like, Neil mentioned, it's perfect uh, for the television setting. He's married. He's married way up, like yep. like uh, you know, king of queens. Looking at you, buddy. Sorry. <laughs> uh, you know, stuff like that. And uh, so what happens here? This argument escalates. She's like, uh, you used to be a doer. Now you're just a watcher. And uh, Roy says, that's not – he's very passive, you know, lazy. That's not true, blah, blah, blah. And then he looks at the TV. Yes! You know? And she uh, throws his bowling trophy, right, at the TV because she does like a – she does like a softball pitch. She winds it up, and it's, uh, it's a nice one. He freaks out. Finally, some emotion. Right, guys? So the kids aren't there, thankfully. But uh, she like, where does she go? She leaves temporarily because Jeffrey Jones needs to come. Yeah, in. she she basically like says that she's she's leaving or you know like she goes upstairs just to get away from him and like honestly this is like John Ritter is displaying some truly disturbing uh, addict behavior. Yep. So cue Jeffrey Jones, <laughs> who comes to the door. Yes, Mr. Spike. Uh, R.L. Stein himself, and uh, he's got the getup, and he rings the doorbell, and he's like, he, I think he says something to himself. I can't remember. He's like, showtime or something like that, or, you know. And then like <laughs> he rings the bell, and uh, John Ritter answers, and he like basically answers all of his prayers right there. Um, he's because he's like fishy, but Roy's kind of a an idiot, or he's yeah. just kind of like his brain is melted from the yeah. too much TV. And uh, Jeffrey Jones gives him some. Aykroydian figures, I want to say, because the way Dan Aykroyd <laughs> fires off figures in movies is uh kind of like the way he like talks about the 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 power of this satellite, 666 channels, and like five other numbers for things that he yeah. lists that probably and, don't really mean much anymore in today's like right. age. <laughs> those numbers are like those are weak and or they don't relevant. Megabyte RAM on this PC. <laughs> Whoa. Roy signs away his soul, but like it's a comedic way. It's a cartoony way. He like basically casually mentions it. He's like, well, you don't have to worry about that. And just like, signs- Most people would probably sell their soul for something like this. And then he's like, whips out the contract. And then John Rue's like, duh. And then he's just like, yep, that's right. Sign here. Yep. And uh, he like Spike takes off and he like takes off down the dead end. Like there's a hole that forms in the ground. So he's from hell. Uh, yeah. And right away you start to realize, oh, this is a like, this is a special effects movie to a certain degree. Like, yeah. how much money did Stay Tuned cost? I wonder. <laughs> I did not look up that money or that budget, but maybe I should. Um, Helen arrives. She enters the room to see giant TV, giant satellite outside. Like, that's enough. I'm going to go pack my shit. The biggest satellite in telev- in movie history. Until a few years later when Ben Stiller's like, hold my beer. I'm going to show you guys the biggest satellite dish <laughs> in the world. 
like Goldeneye. It's, yeah. it's on par. And then Goldeneye was like, no, 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 no. Yeah. Great reference too with Cable Guy because it, it it actually goes to your point of how they should have had John Ritter open where uh you know Jim Carrey and the Cable Guy he says he was raised by TV and he's actually watching literal TV shows not sports he's not obsessed with sports and TV so they yeah. did it right so it was like a little maybe maybe it inspired Cable Guy you don't know uh, it's possible Chip Correct. Douglas Ben Stiller honestly he was like I can make I can show a bigger satellite dish I don't understand like that was his this whole is pitch. not that impressive guys <laughs> yeah. We're going to pay Jim Carrey $20 million. I just want a huge-ass satellite. That's all I need. (laughs) I want this movie to be haunted by the idea that Jim Carrey got $20 million for it before the movie even opens. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, (laughs) Helen, yeah, she sees this. And she also, they see Three Men and Rosemary's Baby, the first of many punny satanic uh, it's, it's riddle. This is this is where the Weird Al gags begin. Oh yeah. And and you know like you would see this kind of a gag if it wasn't so tasteless on you know the Weird Al show. Mm-hmm. Excuse me. Um, Jeffrey Jones made a, a point mentioned. You know he did say 666 channels. You're going to see a lot of programming that you don't see on other networks, and that's basically clearance to be like we're not going to show you anything that's real except for maybe a couple parodies. And uh, all this is going to be bullshit, and it's going to be fine. That's our universe. Yeah. Copyright uh, safe universe because it's parody. Fair yeah. use. Uh, Although some of them really push it. <laughs> Looking at you, Saturday Night Dead. <laughs> um, uh, they, there's also a prank show called Sadistic Hidden Videos uh, where it's like a woman is told that her husband's dead <laughs> by an actor and she reacts accordingly. And then he's like, you look at that van across the street over there. She goes, am I on? She knows the show already. She knows that he's the actor bill or whatever. And, uh, she laughs and that's like, that diffuses the whole, if she were to cry, which is the other direction you can take it. The too dark for a movie like this. Right. The fact that she laughs is uh, it snaps it right back into tonally where it should be. Yeah, I we're, think. we're we're lighthearted. This is we're still in Weird Al territory. Honestly, I'm I was watching this whole movie and I was just like, can you imagine a world wherein UHF never got made and this is the movie that got made instead by Weird Al and Weird Al is the guy yeah. playing you know the John Ritter role. I it might be way way better. It I, might be way way worse. I don't uh, know. <laughs> I Whatever. love UHF. I do too. I was just about to say, like, I rewatched it less than a year ago. That movie, like, I love UHF. Yeah, straight up. Uh, Neil, your take on UHF? Oh, I'm a big fan as well. Yeah, I, I, I've always loved it. Uh, and I, not, not anything like it since. Uh, I guess tonally, like, I mean, directly well, like UHF. So the Muppets, the remake oh, of the Muppets, true. is kind of the same yeah. plot. Yeah. But yeah. Other than that. You know, it's it's uh, I just it's a, like it's I, a Weird Al gem. Yeah, I really like. Yeah, I don't even think of UHF when I think of these parodies in this movie. Probably because uh, there aren't there aren't there isn't like a satanic twist on all of the parodies. In they get free reign and free range in uh, UHF, whereas they're kind of backed into a, a corner that really gets repetitive and, and lame in this movie, which is but, devils and hell. And that's the weird thing is that, like, they kind of don't have to be backed into a corner. He just says you get programming for, like, you wouldn't normally get. And if you're trying to avoid using real, you know, licenses for TV shows and other stuff like that, you could still make up vaguely similar shows. Like, 
you can like the when you, you we do it a couple times in here you get like the the western and the uh the noir like you can do more of that stuff you, you know parody a more general genre or tone or type yeah. of show yeah and I, I guess the game show at the beginning is kind of like that yeah it's just um <sighs> And I, I guess we're leaning too hard on like how they because it is like at face value it's a game show they ask questions that's revealing about their marriage and it gets them into some bubbling tension in this it, it's not long forward they get sucked in and that's what happens here yeah but uh, that's but like there's always a vi- like a violent under undertone or something going on to every single one of these segments that's uh, dialed up to eleven you know. Um, I don't know. I just think it, this this last this is better as like a an episode or two of uh, something, you know. Honestly, well, it's almost, yeah. It's always gonna say it's almost like supernatural. I don't know if you've ever seen the one episode. Oh yeah. Yeah, with the trickster. I think it was a trickster where they got sucked into TV land. It was very similar to that to this. Um, and uh, the the parodies though, what's interesting about them is you can tell some of them maybe they thought out early on. A lot of them, I think they were in a comedies writer writers room and they were just like what the list of TV shows that were either on now or were on and what can we do? So it's like, Oh, Northern exposure. What does that show have to do with anything? Well, they could just be cold. So we'll just make them cold and they're going to freeze to death, you know? And I think it was as simple as the titles, like Northern exposure, Northern overexposure lunch. All right, we're back. Uh, Saturday night dead. Okay. That's uh, dinner. (laughs) Let's break. (laughs) Yeah. Like it's, it's, uh, God, I don't want to, it's, it's not even like, cracked magazine level <laughs> like parodies you know You're like saying it's worse i'm saying it's worse than cracked magazine i'm saying it's just below cracked magazine which w- itself was below mad magazine yeah mm-hmm. it was the ads in the back of cracked yeah <laughs> oh my god we're getting lower than cracked here guys it's kind of at times so what happens? They get in an argument. She threatens to leave. And as the satellite goes out, he goes out to fix it. She goes out to say, I'm leaving. Uh, they get sucked into this giant satellite. And uh, her watch is left behind. A little clue. And uh, we get Jeffrey Jones max headrooming us as he zooms <laughs> into us. Uh, and then they, they're, before we know it, they're on a uh, game show. Mm-hmm. Uh, what is Jeffrey Jones? He's like, it's buckle up, it's gonna be a bumpy ride, and then they end up on a show called uh, You Can't Win. This takes up like five minutes of the movie. Like they're strapped to chairs. Yeah. And they're asked questions, like I said, about like, hey, Roy missed your fancy dinner that you had planned because a, he said he had car problems. B, he was at a bar, and then she finds out that way that he was at the bar. Yeah. Uh, you know. They're really trying to meddle with their relationship here, guys. I don't know what that has to do with killing them. <laughs> like it's nope. just kind of psychological torture. And at, at the moment, we don't even know why uh, anything is happening to them. We just know they got sucked into this TV. For what reason? We don't oh. know. There's some vaguely devilish stuff yeah. going on. We're intercutting now because we're now we're cutting from a monitor now showing this game show, and we're at the HQ of Hellvision. Okay, this is where Spike, uh, Jeffrey Jones who the nation loves, uh, is managing a team. And uh, basically, they souls is the name of the game. They have to collect people's souls and because uh, the devil likes his TV. <laughs> it's a very confusing... So they need to... They're using television to kill people because the souls aren't enough for the devil. He needs entertainment at the same time. It's, it's, right. it's very, very high concept, this movie. Yeah. Don't worry about that part. Just TV parodies. Uh, yes. 
devil. Parodies, 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 parodies. And the game show announcer, if I remember, is is uh, Don it's, Pardo. It is Don is Pardo. It? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, when I was a kid, actually, because his performance is kind of devilish, like with his makeup and the way that the show's set up. And I, when I was a kid, I thought he was like a demon, but it was just his makeup. And now when I saw it, I was like, oh, no, that's just makeup. And it's hard to believe that he's still walking this earth. He's over 100 years old. <laughs> you know, he's he passed. has defied death. He's still announcing on SNL. He goes, I am a clock-clock-hand. <laughs> corn clock <laughs> There was was a a 30 Rock gag where he was the announcer and they were talking about how he's getting too old and he was just like, (laughs) with Tracky John John (laughs) and Jeremy Moop. They didn't have the heart to tell him, like, oh, you're doing great. It's funny because I hate to go back, I don't hate to, but to go back to Rick and Morty, the first interdimensional cable is, uh, they they flip it to some random dimension and it's SNL and it's... uh, a piece of toast and your host for the 35th consecutive season, Bobby Moynihan. <laughs> it's just random, but uh, yeah, that makes sense. Uh, so Don Pardo. Uh, oh, and we also this uh, the soul has to be collected within 24 hours. We get this yeah. information. If it's not collected, then they are we, redeemed and they get to go back, which is a really from. stupid design flaw in this system. Yeah, well, they needed the, they needed the ticking clock, and they were like, "Well, what could that be? It'll be 24 hours, even though it just completely, you know, ruins their plans in hell." But yeah, right. They, there is a time bomb, and it's set up. Uh, we should mention during this game show they're intercutting to Eugene Levy uh, and Eric King from Dexter. You really creep me out, motherfucker. Surprise, uh, motherfucker. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Um, and he's a film major, and he just—he's an intern. And Eugene Levy's a kiss-ass, you know. He plays that schmoozer really well. And he, as Jer mentioned, he's the one who's giving the lay of the land, really, like the exposition. And Spike's just kind of like, oh, yeah, "You're an underling. Shut up." And he's uh, like, "But hey, I am the best underling that this team ever has seen." <laughs> My son, he's very talented. Once again, like how people know John Ritter through his son, people probably know Eugene Levy through his son. Now. Yeah. Now, Crazy. yeah, for sure. And then Eric King asking, uh, you know, Eugene Levy, has he ever seen a Lars von Trier movie and does it scare him? Because <laughs> he's the film it student. Should. <laughs> and he says, it should. <laughs> he looks him dead in the eyes. And he, says, he bounces his eyebrows a little bit and says, it yeah. should. Oh, my God. So uh, we're, we're they're in the game show and uh, they're about to uh, – they make it – they just open a portal for them in the game show. And they're like, off you go, couple. And they go like they don't try to kill them in like in every other show that they end up in. So they go on to the next one. It's almost like the system is like who wants to be a millionaire where the first few uh, rounds are pretty damn easy. Like you're going to get out of this first couple shows because the devil likes you to get out of those first couple shows. But once you hit a thousand dollars, man, you're on your own. Yeah. We, uh, I should mention also, while we meet Eugene Levy and Eric King, we see the Seidenbaums. Remember those guys? They're in, like, a Godzilla movie. And Spike basically cues them with his cool spinny remote. He's like, I think their time's up. And then, you know? this, is, this is where you realize they love this fucking remote that they said. <laughs> they, they, I, I thought they didn't even show it enough. It should have just been yeah, the whole movie should have been the remote. I'm kind of with Neil. Like, like the cell phones in the Matrix are, even, are more uh, egregious than the spinny uh, remotes in... Uh, in this but here's what i'll say eric king 
He's God. Thank God for his voice because he comes in and he says, I'm not appalled by the gore. I'm appalled by the lack of subtext. <laughs> and Jones says, you're a film major. He's like, that's right, USC. Wrote my thesis on Kurosawa and Spike Lee. And then he's like, he's going to go on because you know he wants to. And like he gets cut off pretty quickly. But uh, I, yeah, I'll read the thesis. Uh, so, yeah. Uh, Seidenbaum's the wife gets stomped and it's by a giant stinky footed lizard. Uh, Spike says that he makes it a point to say that. So Levy, the 24 hours to live for the, uh, John Ritter and, and, and wife, Helen. Uh, okay. So they, uh, uh, where are they? They're wrestling match. Now they're in a wrestling match here and there are weird jungle cat noises for the opponents, which is giant, like, and yeah. Lou Albano is there, yeah. so you know that you're in good hands. All Who's you needed there? was Jerry Lo- <laughs> Lou Albano, Captain Lou Albano, the guy oh, who played man. Mario on the Super Mario oh, Brothers Super Show. Shit. Okay. <laughs> Luigi, go take your shit. Go take your shit. <laughs> have, Neil, have you me. didn't hear this, I'm sure, but like, so I'll just, I know, I know it. it. I already mentioned this on the show, but I'm going to do it again. We have, you know, Jack watches a lot of YouTube. And so yeah. part of that was a lot of uh, stumbling a lot of uh, Mario Party, just playthroughs. Sure. And so that became a part of our algorithm. A lot of video game videos would pop up. And we found this one video that was very cute. This video where, like, they made Mario and Luigi going on vacation and stuff. It was just a stupid little funny thing. And then we stumbled across another one because the algorithm thought we would want this, where it's literally Luigi playing a video game and Mario behind him. And he's so invested. He's like, Luigi, go take a shit now. <laughs> and he's like desperately trying to get Luigi to go and take Luigi's a shit. And Luigi's like, oh, in a minute, because he's playing his video games. <laughs> Luigi, the shit coming out of your ass. <laughs> they know plumbing, though, right? I mean... <laughs> Well, he's he is so invested, yeah, that is he needs him to take a shit. So of so invested, why are they so invested in the Nables? You know, like why is the yeah. devil and Spike so invested in this this guy or these two specifically? You know, like who cares? Like you should be collecting souls. Maybe because in an alternate universe, they star in respective sitcoms, Mork and Mindy and Three's Company. He's like, I recognize them from <laughs> Universe XJ113. This would be a huge coup for the devil. <laughs> I noticed that too, though, because on their scoreboard, I always thought there would be more souls like they were tracking. But I think there's only like eight or something, if I remember. It's really yeah. small. Pretty weak. It, we're, we're doing it's running man rules. We're, yeah, we're yeah. a startup here at Hellvision. <laughs> Better movie, Running Man. Um, but uh, all, but it's all like if you think about it, kind of similar. Except uh, they're not changing channels and tone and, and genre. He's just in the same battle arena. But uh, the Nables find Levy in an Arctic setting, so they get out of the wrestling match. It's a big wrestling match, and how do they get out? Like, do they find a hole to the um, the next dimension? Yeah, I'm trying to remember. They he um they're fighting. He almost get, he gets body slammed, I think, and then his wife helps and uh. Oh, I can't remember now. I don't think he pins him. Speaking of the wrestling scene, when I I thought <laughs> I rewatched this for I don't know the fourth time uh, just for this, and uh, I forgot it was Lou Albano. I thought it was Dom DeLuise for a minute, in <laughs> and then I was like, wait a minute, that's not Dom DeLuise. Star of uh, Silent Movie, a recent episode of 99 with Phil Platakis. Yep. Yeah. yeah. And uh, yeah, so that's why I, I had to bring that up because I I was completely way off on that. I don't know why I thought it was, him, but maybe a better performance. I don't know. 
I was watching uh, Third Rock from the Sun, and uh, one of the DeLuise's, Peter, is on it as one of Dick's students who never changes, even though he's a teacher for six years. <laughs> like, he has the same <laughs> class. So anyway, one of them is a DeLuise, and you got to see Dom, Peter, and the 21 Jump Street guy all together on the same screen. It was my mind. It was like Endgame for me. I was going to say, It was say, a yeah. DeLuise <laughs> Endgame. So the anyway. crowd went nuts. <laughs> Um, anyway, uh, the, okay, so Levy is, is too much of like, um, what does he do? He runs his mouth too much at the, yeah. the company HQ. So Spike, he busts out that spinny remote and he sends him to do some quote-unquote field work. He goes, field work? Oh, yeah, I don't know. So he ends up in an Arctic setting. And when the Nables leave the wrestling match, they end up in the same Arctic setting with Eugene Levy. And there's wolves there. They're on a this frozen is- this is the northern overexposure, right? This is where yes. we get our first title uh, parody, besides the one we got earlier in the channel flipping. And uh, what's going on at home? The son comes home from his sleepover. So does the daughter. Sees they're, the mom's watch. They're watching. They're 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 eating some product placement donuts. <laughs> uh, they they see that they uh, they're wondering where mom and dad went. They're like, oh, did they leave? You know, the, oh, our plan worked. Our parents are fucking. They left. They're gonna go fuck. And then, uh, yeah, I guess they stumble upon the watch or something like that. I don't remember when or how. calls her cheerleading troop to do some practice, and the son's kind of knows. He suspects something's up, and the daughter, she's too busy with the cheerleading, so she doesn't care. So that's what's going on. He's kind of slowly catching on. But there is a scene where he's on his he gets on his bike, and the satellite almost sucks him in, and uh, his bike gets sucked in. He watches, uh, what is it, the Mansons. It's uh, meet meet the Mansons. So he's watching TV. He sees Thirty Something to Life. He sees Silencer of the Lambs ad where there's a silencer on the kids, like a muzzle. Mm-hmm. And then he sees Meet the Mansons, which is like a black and white sitcom. And he sees his bike on the TV, and he goes, "What the fuck?" And he uh, <laughs> and this is where the kid really just starts going off the rails, swearing the rest of the movie. Jesus. He starts drinking Get right out of right. the fucking sis. Get the fuck in here. You Bring your fucking friends. Shit. Here's a little foreshadowing for you. So his bike goes into Meet the Mansons, like sort of the Leave it, leave it to Beaver uh, uh, motif or whatever. And uh, that actor grew up to be the bully in Pleasantville, which was in black and white. He was whitey. You remember? He got punched in the face. I've, I saw it once a while ago. Yeah. I just remember Jeff Daniels being a dick in that movie, right? He's like, I want dinner. I'm in black and white. This. No, or William H Macy was was oh, the dick. Yeah, yeah. Jeff funny. Daniels was the malt shop man who helped Ow. helped Toby McGuire. Right, Maybe it should have been the other way around though. Maybe Jeff Daniels should have been the dick and no. William H Macy. No, I'm saying right now I don't want to see Jeff Daniels be a mean man. What we're doing, Jer? We're placing Jeff Daniels in the safe bowl here. Totally Next safe. John Ritter I like and it. Christopher Lloyd. All right. Totally safe. So uh, I can live with that. Uh, yeah, they're in the Arctic setting. How are they going to get away from these wolves that chase them into this tiny little fishing shack? Well, these brilliant wolves, by the way, because <laughs> a gag that truly deserves every laugh that came out of me. I guess that happens in a moment, but what's like? This? It's where they like, they try to open the door and see if they're safe and the wolf is on the roof of the little shack that they're in and jumps down on top of him i laughed out loud i almost woke up the kids (laughs) and it was totally worth it because that's fucking funny 
by the way, the clock is, Levy tells them, 15 more hours. If you can stay alive, even the odds are against you, but if you can stay alive for 15 hours, yeah. you can get out. Did you know that you were in that video, that, that game show for eight whole hours? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, seriously. Uh, the wrestling match lasted like three. Um, so, yeah, they get away. And how they get away is since it's on a frozen lake is they – uh, they have to shovel away some snow, and I think do, do they do some picking, or is it just there? They're there's, trying there's to a find the the portal, like where could it be, and like uh, yeah, I guess they they pick at it and they find it, but like they have to move the shack, like yeah, they have to push it, and I don't remember if the shack gets pushed out of the way or if they're trying to find just randomly walk with the shack and like let's just keep looking, maybe we'll find one in the in the ice. Yeah, lucky them, right? Because that's exactly what ends up happening, and they they get away from the wolves. And uh, so we Levy's kind of it's he's an interesting character. You think he's like he's gone, and then he sh- he pops back up again. That I kind of enjoyed about his character in this. Um, so what ends up happening next is they're in a cartoon, two uh, D cartoons now. <laughs> uh, they and, and, yeah, yeah, it's like this is a thing that as a kid you're like that's this is. Great. I love the idea of this movie, like getting sucked in and getting to turn into all these different things. I was always a big fan of whenever a human would get turned into an animal and the animal would kind of look like the human. Usually yeah. that like, was that's crazy. why I love Sword in the Stone. Every animal kind of <laughs> looks like the two of them. And I'm like, right. Well, on. Yeah. Love Sword in the Stone, too. Like that was like I remember that would always be on our radar as kids, though, is like if there's a live action movie that has any 2D animated segment in it we're we our dad would tell us or we would just seek it out or just pop up on TV or something. Yeah. And I feel like the reason I got into this movie is because like um, I saw this 2D animated sequence and I was like, what is this? You know, because it's it's not it's not Looney Tunes. It's not it's it looks reminiscent of it, you know, yeah. but it's sort of Tom and Jerry. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. you know it's it's your classic you know cartoon mouse. Yeah. Every fucking cartoon has a cartoon mouse. I will say that the the animated segment in this is done very well. It's yeah. actually a little more. Um, I would even compare it a little bit more to like the uh, opening of Roger Rabbit in that it's a little bit more violent than even Looney Tunes, which itself is pretty violent. But like there's like you know real weaponry being flown around in this yep. and stuff. So like. Yeah, yeah it, it reminded me of that. And I thought it was, you know, anytime you do a Looney Tunes motif and you do it well, like, that's good. I'm happy. Like, I can't. <laughs> I can't it's complain. always it's so much fun. Like when you have a that like Dan said, when you're a character and you go into a cartoon because you get those extra powers that you don't get in the normal world, which are kind of fun, which he realizes. But it's always a fun thing. Hey, even not, Mr. Not, Limpet was on our radar. Yeah. As kids, which did not do it for us. And then it was like. He's like, oh, we can we can watch bed knobs and broomsticks. I'm like, you're not gonna fool me again, Dad. <laughs> Fuck you. You're not gonna get me again. Fuck you, Dad. God. And that was ah, uh, there is like something so incredibly unappealing about Disney live action before like 1990. Just like some of yeah. that 70s live action. Oh, it looks terrible. Well, yeah. I mean, that was Kurt Russell's uh, his golden years, really. You like know. yeah, good for him, but like I don't like I I get nauseous looking at the way like it's all and it's always these fucking like kind of British people, but they're not always British and like Bedknobs and Broomsticks is terrible. I'm just saying it like. Do you guys know that 
Walt Disney, like one his last words or, or what was what's the story, Neil? Yeah, he's uh, he had a piece of paper in his hand, uh, <laughs> crumpled up, and yeah, when he on his on his deathbed, they opened it and it said Kurt Russell. <laughs> Kurt Russell. <laughs> <laughs> and it said Wyatt Russell as new cat also underneath. So that, that kid's gonna be a, a wonderful enemy someday. <laughs> A no. wonderful non-hero. You watching uh, Falcon and Winter Soldier, Neil? Any interest? No, I, I haven't seen it yet, but I've I've been enjoying um, the memes. Like I I saw the Daniel Bruhl dancing extended <laughs> cut, and I saw yeah White Russell, and because I had no idea what was going on, I was like, why is Captain America here? And I was like, that doesn't look like Captain America. And I, then I just you know. Why is was, the old man from Up dressed <laughs> up as Captain America? <laughs> he does look like that, yeah. <laughs> That was a meme I saw. I can't take credit for that. That's just the internet. Um, so uh, we're gonna. So they're in the cartoon. A cat chases them around. Eventually, they find another way out. But this is around here where the son recognizes their voices, and they're calling each other Roy and Helen on TV. So he's like, something is amiss. And the cheerleaders are outside by the satellite, so he has to get out the hose and be a little skeevy little brother and spray them. Yeah, get away from the satellite. They, well, because that girl just won't listen. She's got her yeah. blossom hat on. She's just not listening. She's calling mm-hmm. him like real '90s insults, like "suck face" or some kind of stupid <laughs> shit like that. Mm-hmm. And uh, next up, we after that, I, I, you know, they get away, and the brother saves him. And I think the daughter starts to get on board with this. He shows her like the cartoon, and they they leave. And uh, this is where we get the noir black and white segment. And uh, oh, a no, nice. Do we we get that first? No, we don't get that right away. Before oh, that, oh, we I'm get sorry. The, we get the the oh because it's Space 19- Underworld. Oh, it is 1992, <laughs> so like this is like uh, culturally appropriate for the time to do a joke. But man, and it, you know it, what's really sad too is like they're not the worst impressions in the world, you know, like they could be so much worse. Yeah. Like Wayne, Wayne kind of slips a little too like Valley girl almost at times, but like, here's the thing. Like not only do they have to do impressions of Wayne and Garth, they have to do it in the makeup of zombies, you know, that's that's the uh, thing about zombie makeup and, uh, and opinions, you know, like (laughs) everybody's got them. They're like, I always loved the hot poker, uh, Mm-hmm. effect there that they did that was always classic well yeah. in this well, movie yeah which is just that isn't even a parody i think that's what they say in wayne's world right they basically just check off every wayne's world yeah. reference that they possibly can within this two minute segment or whatever yeah they look at his wife and they go swing and they look at garth looks at his daughter and comments on her pom-poms and that's offensive oh i forgot about that yeah, yeah. Yeah. And the audience is made up of ghouls, and they all applaud, and they're all going nuts. But yeah, the Red Hot Poker Cam is uh, what ends up ultimately allowing them to escape instead mm-hmm. of killing them. Uh, it's going to go straight for John Ritter's eye. You know, the cameraman wheels like the, the giant camera with the poker into him, but he gets out of the way, and, and it, it hits his rope, so he's able to get out. It singes him out. He escapes uh, with Helen. They go up the stairs of Wayne's uh, basement, you know? That's you always wonder what's which, up there. Which is smart. The only thing we've ever seen is his mom come down to do laundry one time. <laughs> you and of course Aerosmith came down those stairs. They were hanging out in the kitchen. I hate to cancel Wayne and Garth retroactively, but I remember one where Phil Hartman played Garth's dad named Beave, 
and they kept calling him f bombs like seriously oh wow yeah like like i was like my my jaw was like open they like beef you're an f word like I was like, this is vintage SNL right here. Crazy. Apparently you could say that word in in 1990 or so. Yeah, crazy. Just like the time that the fucking... Uh, the Denise show? Yeah, the Denise like show. Like Myers calls on? Yeah, Mike, there was one where, like, I first of all, I thought the Denise show was a one-time segment. I couldn't believe oh, that it was recurring. done more than once. Then there's another time where Mike Myers calls up and he's playing, like, a jock dude and he's like tell me you're a pussy and like he says it like five times he calls him a pussy and like they say the word pussy like multiple times and then i was like jesus i did not know you could say this and then you look at that clip of chevy chase calling richard Pryor a harder n-word in that one sketch and you think eh, but but dan <laughs> don't you know is, uh, don't you know that that gave him permission to use right. that word for the rest of time uh, if it's in the okay. sketch yeah you can just keep saying it because right. Richard Pryor gave him permission once, so that excuses him if he wants to say call <laughs> Donald Glover that word. Oh my God, did he call him that? I think there was a situation similar I, to that. I read all the only thing I read is that he said people wouldn't like you as much if you weren't black, or they wouldn't think you were as funny, which I, is I, really shitty. I do know that he one time tried to be like, "Hey, it's cool, don't worry." Richard Pryor said that I could say the N word. Oh <laughs> like, my God. That Chevy Chase, he you know he's in the opposite of the safe bowl here on <laughs> He's completely unsafe. He's free reign is what Chevy Chase is. Um, so now we're in the noir movie, and they're starting to get further than most people uh, mm-hmm. at this point. This is where Spike is starting to get a little concerned. That's right. And uh, he they they come across a certain Seidenbaum, and this time he's he's fucking running the criminal underworld. He says, back at home, I was just a peon. My wife hated me. I'm kind of glad she got stomped on by that lizard, to be honest. Her meatloaf was cold. <laughs> like, you know, shit To like be honest, that. I don't want dry meatloaf anymore. Like, yeah. well, fucking maybe help out in the kitchen or <laughs> yeah, something. Right. Like, Stop eating some... out of your Captain America shield and help out. <laughs> I don't know, man. Throw some fucking ketchup on there or something. I don't. I don't know. Right. I don't but, know how to solve your wife's meatloaf, but this is not the solution. He's loving life now, though. Work at this uh, nightclub, very like hollow decky. Like reminds me of because uh, I just watched First Contact with uh, the hollow deck and the gangster scenario that John Luke just can't help but find himself in when he likes to play. But. Um, so this guy, he, like, he tells him though, like, I got, I brought my remote in with me, so whenever things get too hot, I'm out of here. But then things get hot, and he gets shot. Like, he gets beat <laughs> yeah, good luck with that. He gets shot by a man holding two Tommy guns. And <laughs> <laughs> two Tommy guns. <laughs> like, he has to tuck his arms in and like point, like his elbows have to be like supported against his stomach. That would not work at all. Right. No, no, I've shot a Tommy gun before and it would not work whatsoever. Yeah, a real to... Tommy gun, eh? Real Tommy gun, yeah. It was at a. I, I've only been to like one like quote unquote bachelor party, but we went to a uh, a gun range and uh, we had like a an instructor who was just really big about guns. I guess they have to be. It's a gun range, but we uh, they're like, oh, would you like to? <laughs> How about the big on guns? <laughs> yeah, right. They were like, oh, would you like to shoot these guns? And uh, they had like a lineup of them or whatever. And one of them I think was an AR-15. And, and initially I was like, I don't want to shoot that gun. I mean, I, I don't know why that's even here. Anyway, but they're like, oh, here's a Tommy gun. I was like, all right, I'll shoot a Tommy gun. And uh, it was like the smoothest thing. Like, it didn't hurt, but it was very heavy. So either and it only had like eight bullets is what it felt like. Like it went like boom, 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 and then it was done. And I was like, okay, I guess, <laughs> guess that was it. So it's not like the movies. Yeah. It's not. Although I did have a long overcoat on, um, 
Did you open your mouth while you were shooting? I noticed a lot of people. And have you have to, to scream. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I just screamed at the top of my lungs. Yeah. <laughs> That's the place to do it. Is at a shooting gallery. <laughs> next time, tommy. next time, all I'm gonna say is I would suggest you try two tommy guns at one time and see how see how much of a gangster it makes you feel. What? Like. I was watching something because I was doing practice uh, for the movie we're currently doing. One of the characters uses a butterfly knife, and I saw a compilation, and one one guy had two. So what's more overkill? I'm I'm it's Tommy guns, but what do you think of two butterfly knives? knives? I mean that's kind of like well I don't know I at first I would have thought that's weak compared to Tommy guns, but if they only got like eight bullets in them, that's <laughs> kind of like the same amount of time. Yeah, I think the the butterfly knife might be scarier because it's it's all that lead up of you doing this and you're like, oh, what's coming and you don't want to see. So you why are your away. arms flailing like that? What I want to I want to watch control. A, <laughs> I want to watch an action movie where and I might have done this already where the guy's doing that and while he's like flipping it around, the guy just slaps it out of his hands <laughs> <laughs> and then breaks his nose. Um. Anyway, um. Noir Seidenbaum gives them the remote as he's dying. What a what a nice guy. What a mensch. He gives them the remote as he's dying, and they leave. They peace out to the next scenario. And I believe this is like the old like Elizabethan powdered wig. Yeah. Yeah. Era. We go to the the French era for some oh, reason. Oh, it's like Les Mis. Yeah. yeah. Somewhere in somewhere the in somewhere in the French noir. Revolution. Yeah, something like that. Somewhere in the noir. Uh episode or whatever you want to call it that segment uh that's when the daughter kind of gets on board because she sees the dad and he's like look it's dad and 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 she's like no suck face it's not dad (laughs) she talks like a young joan cusack and uh and then she sees the mom and they're like oh wait no shit the mom's in there so like this shit's real um so they're here in this this scenario and eugene levy's there again this like he's dressed to the nines like uh (laughs) He's yeah. got like a big top hat on. He's telling them to lay low for a while, but there's a revolution going on. There's there's oh, red coats walking around. I gotta I gotta back up a little bit because this is where it happens. So basically, the kids are now trying to track the parents. So like they, when oh. they disappear from the noir, they flip through the channels, and in this channel flipping is a one. I'm not even kidding. It's a one second <laughs> shot. And I knew exactly what it was supposed to be. There is it's it's Frankenstein and he's holding a microphone. There's yep. like a red curtain behind him. <laughs> and all you hear in the segment is why would and then it cuts to the next channel. <laughs> and I think you guys can both tell right now yep. that that is 100 percent the last remnant of a Frankenstein sketch <laughs> that yep. did not make it into the final cut of this movie. Frankenstein felled. Of They're course. Like, we shot it. We just need to include something. We need these channel flips. Let's get that one thing. And what's so sad is that these parodies are so baseline that I yeah. knew exactly I what was it was. Say, Jerry, you know how I know it was? Because it's the first thing you thought of. <laughs> like, exactly. that's why it's called that. But uh, I will say this to the movie's credit. Um, the fact that the they chose why would as the as the clip yes. is like that's all you need <laughs> like that's yeah, right, Jerry yeah. Seinfeld. Yeah, arguably, like I would I'd be pissed if there was more to it than just why <laughs> why would God's <laughs> Frankenstein? You can imagine some stupid ass like what's the deal with these bolts? Like what's the point of these bolts? Like that. You notice, kind of... um, 
then UHF is guilty of this too, where they have to have a voiceover announcement drive the title home by, even though they don't do this on regular TV, by saying it's Frankensteinfeld or like the. Or it's yeah. it's it's more of an old television thing that doesn't happen yeah. anymore. You know, like it was a more of a an old fashioned thing or like an older commercials used to be like that. Yeah, I don't like that, but. Um, they they're in this era now and they're laying low, but now they they find themselves in a in a bar and these guys are trying to pick up some prosts and uh, John Ritter's dressed up as one of them. So like you know you've seen this gag in other things before. But my question is, what TV show is this supposed to be? Like, I can go with you on a noir. I can go with you on everything else up to this point. But what is this show? Who's watching this program? Yeah, oh, the only thing I could think of is maybe they're trying to do like PBS Masterpiece Theater or something, but I don't think they ever explicitly uh, said it. Yeah, right. no, it's it's just it's vague, which like I said I, earlier was a suggestion. Like that's how you solve the problem of all these bad parodies. But I don't know. Maybe I take that back. One of the British guys goes, your hair is so beautiful. May I have a lock of it? And he puts his fingers through it <laughs> and he rips off John Ritter's wig. And that's how he's uh, outed as uh, a man. And they say uh, he's the Marquis de Nabil, the guillotine awaits, like they're wanted criminals, so, you know, they're going to get their heads cut off. And uh, there's 20 minutes left on the clock, by the way, over at Hellvision. Yeah, like, like where did the time go? <laughs> there's no concept of real time in this. Yeah. And also, at this point, like, once you got there and once he was like, all you guys need to do is lay low, you get the fuck out of that bar and you lay low for 20 more minutes. You don't These guys go... wanted some French uh, strange, man. But these they're intercutting with the kids now. And the kids, or now we're down to 10 minutes, as the kids are rigging some kind of satellite in the uh, the tool shed to kind of get in touch with them or get them back home. What is it know? about 90s nerds that knew all, like, everything about electrical engineering and stuff like that? And where did those kids go that they're not helping the world now? That's what I want to know. <laughs> I, I was going to say, we were around that age of, of those kids. I couldn't i couldn't have taken anything apart and put it back together i didn't you know some of these kids they should yeah they should be scientists or in stem classes or something i mean I don't know. to be fair i did know how to hook up two vcrs together to crash edit movies off <laughs> illegally <laughs> from the video store that was always fun and always a nice roll of dice to see which ones had the guard on it yep. and oh, which yes. ones did it do you do you do that too neil I, I remember I didn't. Do, my cousin did it, and I remember watching him do it. Uh, yeah, but having the cops are way, coming right way now. Way to stay guys. safe. Way to stay safe from the FBI. They're not coming after you. They're going after your cousin right now. I'll tell you that. The limitations for VHS pirating is probably 50 years. So <laughs> I don't know. Um, but the kid is like, okay, the kid is he's confronted with a dog, and it's in his own fucking yard. So it's like, where'd this fucking dog come from? Yeah, what the fuck? Why do we have like this Sandlot <laughs> dog showing up at the end of this movie? Like, we I know we need one more obstacle, but like oh, wait, a I'm random sorry. ass it's neighbor's dog? yard. <laughs> yeah, he goes in the neighbor's yard. It's not his own. It's but. still, it's just like, why do we need this obstacle now? Like, come up with, I don't care. This movie's it. just all set up too. It's like, okay, in the beginning of the movie, this kid's putting together a cable box wherever. Like, okay. He's probably going to use that later. And then it's just we see the dogs like, I just want to see something go into the, the satellite dish. We need once, something. Once the, the, the parents get saved from the guillotine, which is uh, and how does this happen? I think. Uh, do the kids intervene? Uh, the kids, yeah. The, yeah. The, the boy somehow wires the, his voice <laughs> into the show. <laughs> like, God. And, 
<laughs> pretends to be the voice of God to let them go, I guess. I don't know. And they, they straight up get away. And uh, from here, things like we're, we're kind of nearing the third act. We're like an hour and five minutes in. And uh, what's coming up next is uh, Spike gets a little more involved. And uh, we, we get a little more frequent uh, parodies. We get a Star Trek parody where he's Jean-Luc Picard. Yeah, we, we race through them there. This He um, – has he no no this is not his redemption yet right like this is before that uh yeah i, I don't believe so i i don't know like I, we can get there i think because uh, yeah we like there's some random mass parodies we do get the the threes company parody which i'm right. like all right that's exactly anyway did oh, no, you guys I... watch this uh on youtube no no i watched it on prime did it is it on youtube it's on youtube <laughs> like for uh yeah oh, so no no here here's what happens mm-hmm. yeah no the redemption comes before those parodies he's basically john ritter is let free because mm-hmm. the time is up oh right and, like he's all and jeffrey jones is all pissed off about it and then he's just like oh wait a minute like i can i can use the legal <laughs> i could use the legal wording of this contract to my advantage where essentially, because uh, it was only John Ritter who signed the contract, the wife was never supposed to be there in the first place, and mm-hmm. they consider her a trespasser. So That's basically, right. they let John Ritter go because he, you know, he was he reached his time limit. Yeah. But it was never in the agreement to let the wife go. Which at first I'm like, that's actually a decent twist for this movie. Like you think the whole movie is like, okay, we got to get out, and then we're gonna get out, and that's the end of it, and we've learned something, mm-hmm. you know, through this whole process. But he does get sent out and sent away from her and she's left behind, which is kind of like, a, a, I'm not, I'm not saying it's great. I'm just saying it's, <laughs> it's, it's a little bit of a, a positive twist, but then the problem is that he goes right back into the fucking t- in the satellite. So I'm like, he's, okay, it wasn't that good of a twist after all. He's just, he <laughs> walks right back in. He's reunited with his kids. Yeah. He ends up outside. He's at his house. Hey dad, dad. He says, save those donuts. I'm going to be hungry when I'm uh-huh. done. <laughs> And he goes back in, and now we get pre-Deadwood Jeffrey Jones uh, Western uh, scenario here. Mm-hmm. Kind of ripped from Back to the Future 3, the way that oh. they play it out. Yep. Yeah. How does it play out? Um, well, he's you know he's he's all dressed like Eastwood, and, and like Jeffrey Jones pretty much immediately pulls a gun on him and like shoots him, and he like he goes down pretty hard pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. And then just like in Back to the Future 3, he walks over. And like the bullet actually hit something else, but you know Marty just had the presence of mind to like kick Buford out of the way, mm-hmm. and John Ritter's like, "Here's a quip for you, buddy," and then like gets up and then like. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, after the Western scenario, now we're in Star Trek. That's next, where you uh, get you get these these quick parodies. You get Star Trek. You get the crash test dummies. Yeah. Uh, you get a hockey game. Mm-hmm. I like seeing uh, Spike as uh, Q in the Next Gen verse. That's a, it was a nice uh, nod. And Worf. Yeah, and Worf, and he was also. Oh, that's right. He was in a bunch of characters. Yeah, he was but all Q of them. In particular, yeah. was cool. Um, once he gets out of there, yeah. Sorry, Jer, rattle them all. What else we got? Uh, Star Trek dummies, hockey game, driving over Miss Daisy. <laughs> oh, the salt then... pepper video. And then you get no, then you get the Three's Company joke, which I which I do think is like you it's appropriate to do it. Like just do it. Like it would be a yeah. missed opportunity to not do that joke. Right. 
and then we get into like a little sword play. Um, cause like, and I don't remember exactly what they transitioned to that there's swords involved. Um, mom is tied to the, the railroad tracks. He's got to still get her. That's the, the time bomb thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, but he's busy being a crash test dummy. That's right. He's, uh, gosh, I'm actually watching the movie right now. <laughs> <laughs> he, uh, he does a lot of things. <laughs> oh, he's a knight. Oh yeah, they're knights and they yeah, fence and that's uh, right. the yeah, chandelier. That's how Spike is ultimately defeated by Eugene Levy. Um, see, that's where the big climactic ending is. I think is uh, gosh. Oh, that's uh, right. Yeah, they they fence and then they throw his uh, what do they call those swords and fencing? I can't remember. Now, the the they don't call it a sword. Yeah, rapier. Thank you. They throw the rapier through the TV. Right, he gets that, and then the yeah, the chandelier falls. And I also think the dog goes through the satellite and gets Spike too. Right, the Rottweiler or whatever right. it is. Well, but he's still involved because next comes the Salt and Peppa video, which goes on for the entire length oh, yeah. of the song, yeah. and he's involved in most of that too. And it's about getting That's the right. remote. Like, there's only one remote now, and they're trying to like. We got to mention the uh, there's like a Hunger Games type architect who's who gives makes it tries to make it impossible for them to escape back at Hellvision HQ, and John Ritter's struggling with the remote. This is when the train is barreling on them. He hits the button and then it blows up dynamite on the train. So he has more control than he thinks. I think is what they're trying to to tell us here. Uh, when they blow up the dynamite, they get they get shot out of the uh, the satellite, and you think everything's gonna be fine. The kids are uh, reunited with them, you know, hugs, kisses, but uh, no, no, no. This movie isn't over yet. What ends up happening is, yeah, the dog, he ends this up... Is, uh, this is fucking ridiculous. They're, like, it's four humans against one dog. Like, dude, <laughs> yeah, come yeah. on. He <laughs> braces them, like, he holds them back. He's like, He's watch like, out. Oh, we might all get fucked up by this one half-sized dog. Like, no, come on. One of you kick that dog in the skull if you have to, if it's coming after you. Self-defense. Uh, it takes it, and then it, it points up to the sky, and it melts. That's pretty crazy. Yeah. But uh, before that, like, yeah, he took on Jeffrey Jones fencing in, like, kind of a medieval type of uh, scenario. Eugene Levy basically finished him off by cutting the rope that was holding the chandelier that has has Jones hanging with a bad haircut and, uh, and you know his sword. And uh, then Eric King becomes the new uh, uh, CEO, I guess, the new manager over there, even though he's an intern. Good for they, him. They outfit him with the proper harness so that he can have the remote control <laughs> expel from his arm and spin around like that. Which, by the way, did you guys hear that Disney fucking created lightsabers? It's fucking insane. Is that right? They figured... No, well, not quite, but they... <laughs> They figured out a retractable lightsaber blade that pops up oh, like wow. like it does in reality. They haven't revealed it yet, but uh, is it, uh, one of the more recent announcements along with the Avengers Campus opening date. Are you going to immediately break the one you got at uh, Galaxy's Edge in half? This is fucking bullshit. <laughs> Useless. No, but I got mad. I said, great. Now they figured out another way to get another couple hundred dollars out of me next time we go. They're I'm smart, sorry. man. They're they're geniuses. I, now, when are they going to figure out the remote, though? That's what I want to know, because I'll, I'll buy one. Yeah. Uh, well, can I say one thing about the Star Wars thing? They'll, the day they'll get my money is when they figure out how to do a replica blaster with, like, beams. 
that mm. doesn't kill or you know do anything you know that's when i will i'll i'll fork out like a few hundred for that i'm surprised they haven't done like a laser tag with star wars type blasters I mean, yeah that'd be, be a huge hit we gotta call up uh i don't know who is it because you know what Kennedy. There's one thing that I can say is that Disney marketing does not know what they're doing, so they can they could probably use some advice. Yeah, yeah we'll, we'll call up Mr. Lucasfilm, see what they, they have to say. They see to they need some help. Yeah, they're they're <laughs> in a bad way. They, nah, um, what ends up happening is uh, after they defeat the villain, uh, back to the voiceover. The oh. son says, "Well, that's it. All's well and ends well." <laughs> well my dad isn't an asshole anymore. He doesn't sit his fucking fat ass on the couch. And he got the lucrative job of becoming a fencing instructor. That's right. Which is ridiculous. How many classes is this guy going to teach that he's making a full-time pay for being matter, a fencing man. instructor? The wife's bringing home Look, the bacon, bro. Here's, what I'm, here's all I'm going to say. There are – okay, this is not um, a college course. This is a an elective uh, outside thing, extracurricular, if you will – uh, yeah. The second city teachers can't even work full time. Okay, like there's no way that a fencing instructor is like, oh yeah, no, I'm working day. Yeah, and what day. town are are kids that uh, excited about fencing? Well, here's the thing about opinions, gentlemen. <laughs> opinions, they're a lot like assholes. You know, like that are a lot like onions. They, they, everybody has them, but uh, at the end of the day, no one wants to admit it. Yeah, <laughs> I don't have an asshole. I don't know what you're talking about. I don't. I don't have one. I've never seen one. He just—he doesn't defecate. He's clean. He's all clean. I wouldn't want one. What's no? What is pooping? I don't know what that is. But uh, well, a poop, according uh, to my wife talking to uh, the children at the day camp that she used to be a counselor at. Oh right, right, when, right. When they were like about nine years old, um, girls don't poop. Their poop goes into their boobs, and that's where they get stored. Oh wow. Yeah. And and uh. I guarantee she warped at least one child's mind. She turned one kid gay. That's that's basically what I say. One kid was like, I was confused before, but I don't want to go anywhere near them now. Your bags of shit on your chest. (laughs) Just hanging off your chest. Speaking of that, uh, it it reminds me of a story. Speaking of of bags of shit on the chest. Not bags of shit on the chest, but in the same realm. Uh, When I was a freshman, we were in summer band because we had uh, we were, you know, eighth graders just graduating, going into band. And we had this program in the summer. And one of the kids there uh, was talking to us and he's like, I can't wait to be a freshman in high school and and get, you know, get to grow older and stuff and and have sex. And we're like, oh, okay, you know, that's fine. Whatever you're talking about. We're 14. And he goes, yeah, you know, I'm just a little worried because I don't want my pants to get all wet. And we're like, what are you talking about? And he's like, you know, like when you have sex, you pee in a girl. I don't want to pee all over the place. And we're like, what? God. And he said, you know, my mom, she said, you know, when when a boy and a girl have sex, you pee in the girl. Oh and, I, and I was like, oh, OK. That's <laughs> this- disturbing information from the parents. And That's I also want to know what school did he go to that he did not attend like the Robert Crown Center or like some kind of like. I know that's a very local thing, but like you know, like their sex education happens like fourth or fifth grade now. It blew yeah. our minds, and we didn't we didn't have the heart to tell him he was wrong just to see how long the the, the charade would would last. But uh, just to see how many yeast now. infections he can cause in the population <laughs> of your high school. UT guys, yeah, he's in jail now. And with he is. Gr- he had a very <laughs> lucrative career on Craigslist, but he's definitely in jail now. That's for sure. Yeah. They used to take turns pissing in each other's eyes. You remember that from So I Married an Axe Murderer? Yeah. <laughs> That's so fucked up. <laughs> um, uh, 
one thing I wanted to ask you to, uh, with the salt and pepper video that t- that goes on oh, for an hour. I'm sorry, salt and pepper. Salt and pepper. Excuse let's, me. Let's salt just, dash and dash oh, pepper. Yes. What do you think he was dressed as? A woman or prince or what was his, one of his wardrobe? I think one of one them, of them, right? Yeah. Okay. Like he's okay. got the he's got the hat on and like they kind of had they they would wear their hair up and they had jumpsuit like really like one monocolor jumpsuit and he's wearing like a yellow one. I think he's straight up assault and that's why he, they give so he's, him he's the, the remote. End. Okay. He's the he's the end in salt and pepper. That's right. <laughs> the end stands for navel. The K is silent. See, they there. Are. You go. Okay. Th- that now I feel I'm okay now. I can go to sleep at night now after salt, years of not being here. Pepper. Seeing Jeffrey Jones with that fade is really nice. <laughs> it's special to see him like dressed as Hammer. It's really uh, something. But uh, yeah, if you guys haven't seen this movie, you're missing out. So. And you know what? Don't worry, because the laughs keep coming through the credits. You get to see a bunch of title cards for shows that they Why? didn't get around to. <laughs> Why would... <laughs> here, let yeah. me... Can we... Let's... I got it here. Let's rattle it off. This is the HVTV fall lineup. And these are basically just the jokes that were rejected or they didn't have enough time to get to in yeah. this uh, stupid movie. The first one is uh, Beverly Hills 90666. Uh, and they also do The Golden Ghouls. Oh, you forgot and, I Love Lucifer. Oh, uh, and it's like a heart in the bag, like a human heart instead yeah. of like a regular heart. And, uh, yeah, after The Golden Ghouls, you get uh, – are you watching it too right now? No, I, I wrote them all down. I'm making sure that you, you get them all. What's after Golden Ghouls? You get Murder She Likes. That one I actually liked. <laughs> the one you that get, got me was uh, was was so stupid. The one that got me, though, was was Different Strokes. <laughs> oh, yeah, that was the earlier. old guys just getting the strokes. Different play. strokes. Different so strokes. stupid, but... Not even um, no, yeah, after Murder, She Likes, it's Facts of Life Support. Oh. The Fresh Prince of Darkness. Not bad. Uh, Not bad. One that I don't understand at all what they're trying to go for, mm. Unmarried with Children. Yeah, what is that? I think oh, Unmarried yeah. is... Is that, like, somehow a euphemism for dead? I don't know. Oh, maybe is it maybe married. because of like the church and it's like the devil thing because it's out of wedlock uh, or something? Maybe. Yeah, I guess. And then it's kind of a stretch. You yeah. wrap it up with David Dukes of Hazard. <laughs> yeah. Now imagine if they executed that live action, like they shot any of it. What would have happened in that segment? <laughs> um, Jesus Christ. Racism. A lot, yeah. And Eric King would have been watching from the control room just pounding his fists on the table. I want to see his sequel because he's the film student, right? I mean, what's his right. hell going to look like? His TV. Is it going to be the Criterion channel? I mean, they do kind of like, yeah. they um, loosely set it up for a sequel at the end of this movie. It's weird. Right. It's weird, yeah. Like, And I guess Mom and Dad Save the World is is the pseudo-sequel. I don't know. <laughs> Have you guys yeah, seen Yeah, I was going to say, yeah. That's actually the the top comment here on this YouTube. Uh, that's where I watched it. It says this and Mom and Dad Save the World. Basically, I rented every month uh, growing up at the video store. Like Someone in my was childhood. a big Jeffrey Jones fan growing big up. Time. Yeah. Is that like his only movie where he plays like the lead, like the straight man? Uh, Jones. I mean, he's he's big in Ferris Bueller and. He's in yeah. uh, Sleepy Hollow. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I was trying to think because he just plays sort of a normal dude in yeah. that, right? Yeah, I'm trying to think if you're. 
I can't remember either. Usually he's like a foil or something. Yeah, because yeah. he's great in Howard the Duck. He's the villain in that. <laughs> Howard the Duck. Man, is that under 90? I don't know. I probably it would. It should be. That, that, no, that movie, that is a movie that I grew up on, and I wore out many VHSs of hey, Howard Siri? the Duck. No, Howard the Duck. Oh my God! Here we go. Howard the Duck is an hour and fifty minutes. Holy fuck! (laughs) Jesus, almost the length of Star Wars. (sighs) Oscar winner Tim Robbins. That's right. And uh, uh, other people. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that is Stay Tuned from 1992, directed by Peter Hyams. Not terrible. Not terrible. It's just mm. not for people of a certain age, and that certain age is double digits. Whenever you reach double digits, it's you're too old for this movie. I, uh, I give it a five. That's fair. I give it a six, six, six. Oh. oh Neil, tell them where they can find you. Uh, you can uh, find me uh, at Triviality Podcast if you want to listen to some trivia. Uh, we're on social media at Triviality Pod. Uh, and then, uh, yeah, on Twitter, I guess if you want to follow me, I don't really tweet too much, but uh, I'm at, at Fishface, F I S C H Face. And I just want to say a shout out to Peter Hyams for directing this movie because he really learned some things on this movie and was able to direct some classics such as Time Cop right after this and End of Days with Arnold Schwarzenegger. So I just thank him for his service. Absolutely. Thank you, Peter, for your service. <laughs> Sergeant Hyams. <laughs> we salute you, sir. <laughs> and don't forget to follow us on Twitter at 90under90, on Facebook, facebook.com slash 90under90podcast, and on Instagram at 90under90. You can also email us 90under90 at gmail.com. We're going to be taking requests uh, in a few months. Oh, Not, well, actually, in a, actually, I'm going to start taking them in a few weeks because, you know, we do have request timber. And uh, I, I plan ahead. I plan ahead for all of this stuff. But, it's you know, we're going to open those up pretty soon. Dare and, you say uh, stay tuned. Dare I say stay tuned for that. Ooh. And we also have a, Patre- a Patreon. Patreon? Patreon? Going to be launching at the beginning of May, so be on the That's lookout. Exciting. Patreon. Is, yeah, Patreon. What are you doing on the Patreon, Jer? We're going to be doing a sideshow called uh, Franchise First Timers, wherein me and Mike Clapoff watch a series of franchises that we have one or both of us have never seen before, and we dive deep on it. Mike has never seen the Star Wars movies, so we are starting on May the 4th. By uh, going through the Star Wars movies, and then, of course, you know, I there's you know, Harry Potter and Lord of the Ring, big franchises that I've always said, "Fuck you, I'm not gonna waste my time watching that." <laughs> uh, and then, of I'm course, a- we we will have uh, our our monthly 90 over 90 will be coming out soon. Our very highly selective list of 90 movies over 90 minutes, uh, and it, it, this is not gonna be a a multiple season show. It's gonna be a a once a month. When we hit 90 months, uh, then that's it. We've we've hit them all. So we're going to be highly selective on those movies. I'm you know the, what movie is old. over 90 minutes? Exactly one hour and 50 minutes, to be exact. Howard the <laughs> Duck. Howard the Duck. <laughs> so stay tuned for Howard the Duck on the Patreon. <laughs> Patreon slash Howard the Duck. No, as I was saying, I'm on the New Hope episode of the Star Wars one, the inaugural episode, and uh, I thought it was a nice discussion, so you guys should check it out. I think it's worth it. 
Yeah, and uh, we 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 have a, a different format for that show that we then quickly abandoned and went right back to our traditional <laughs> format for Empire Strikes Back. So nice. it, it's only one uh, different episode. But anyway, that's enough uh, of the plugs. Thank you for listening to us this week. And until next week, I'm Jeremy Eden. I'm Dan Eden. And I'm Neil Fisher. That is a wrap. I'm coming day and night. I mean, it's terrific, right?